Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Listener, what are you worth? I'm talking about true value to the world and or to your family. Today, Dr. Jennings will reveal the standard you and I can use to judge just how much we're worth. And the answer may astonish you. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries, and the good doctor joins us via Skype. Dr. Jennings, I've got my finger in chapter 10 of your book, Could It Be This Simple, to keep my questions coming. So how do you know your worth? You know, Charles, I have so many patients that really do struggle with that Mm. chronic feeling of worthlessness Mm. and questioning or doubting their worth. And it's quite a painful thing for so many people to have that feeling of worthlessness. And it's one of the things that I wrote about in my book. And I want my patients to recognize that the first thing they have to recognize when they have that feeling is that feelings can lie. Hmm. And not everybody realizes this. They determine often their worth by how they feel. When they feel really good or feel valued, they feel like they have worth. And when they feel worthless, they actually believe they're worthless. And so we have to explore that question of how do you know when a feeling is accurate or when it's not, when you have a feeling of worth, you can't just accept it at face value. You have to evaluate that feeling or any feeling in light of the evidence. And so you've asked the question, how can you know whether somebody has worth or not? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this is where we're looking for truth rather than feelings. And so the ultimate answer, and we can look through lots of examples, the ultimate answer is, and by the way, this won't work for everybody if they don't believe in Christ, but for those who do believe in Christ, the ultimate answer is, how much is Jesus worth? Hmm. And I ask my patients, how much is he worth? And of course, they say he's the infinite son of God, he's priceless. And I said, did he or did he not give his life for you? And for those who are Christian, they will recognize, well, that's true. Yes, he did. And then, so how much does that make your life worth? And that's not just a claim or a proclamation or a statement. That's historic fact that Jesus gave his life for each one of us. For the non-Christian, though, that may not have much impact. And yet they still struggle with feelings of worthlessness. So you can go to other areas, infinitely less persuasive or less evidentiary, but they still are evidence. You can sell plasma. Plasma can sell for 50, 70 bucks or something like that. That's worth something. So it's not absolutely worth zero or worthless, if you follow what I'm saying there. We all have worth, but what is the basis of our worth? And what drives most people to struggle with worthlessness is they actually don't assess themselves for who they are in reality. They assess themselves based on how other people view them and what other people think Mm -hmm. of them. Yes, yes. You know, when I look back at the life of Christ, It seems like he was continually trying to tell people, hey, you're worth something. You're valuable. You're blessed. Would I be right in saying that? Well, I think there's no question for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so the world is, is completely valuable to God. Every one of us are valuable to God and we have value and worth created as beings in his own image. And this is where many people fail to see themselves in the light of eternity. Each person has their own unique identity, their own unique individuality, their own unique personhood with capacities to think and reason. And they develop through their life experiences their own unique character. And therefore, each person has their own worth. What they do with that worth, however, is different. They may do something that is not worth much. In other words, Mm -hmm. they could do something villainous and that action is not 
worthwhile, okay? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that the villain has lost worth in who they are. If you look at the thief on the cross who was being crucified with Christ, Christ still gave his life for him, and he said, you will be with me in paradise. He still had worth, even though his life actions were not worthwhile actions. I have an idea here, and see if I'm on the right track, Dr. Jennings. You buy a Mercedes-Benz car. It's worth a lot. You can use that car to go visit your grandchildren in a faraway state, or you can use that car to smash into people and kill them. Does that change the value of the car? No, it changed the value of the character of the driver. Well, I think you're giving a good analogy that the value of the individual is not determined by the actions, the quality of of the character and who they become ultimately. One thief accepted Christ and was transformed and has eternal life. The other thief is eternally lost, but they both had worth, and God has an infinite loss for every child that he loses. So the worth is not determined ultimately by the actions, the worth of the person. The actions, you know, our, our actions and the behaviors and the choices we make, they have worth or merit in the act, but it doesn't determine the worth of the person who makes the act. When Jesus said, you know, man looketh on the outward appearance and I'm looking on the heart, was he giving a hint there of where he finds worth in people? No, he wasn't. The person who corrupted the heart, Judas, Judah's heart was corrupt. He yes, sought for what true, it was, but, but he still had worth to Jesus, and Jesus washed his feet and grieved over the loss of, of Judas. So looking upon the heart, he's able to diagnose the character or the quality of a person. Have they come to salvation and experience rebirth and a new heart with a law written upon the heart, with a new heart and right spirit? Or have they rejected truth and love and hardened themselves in selfishness? So he knows the, the condition of the hearts, some having been healed into salvation and some having rejected it, but both sides of that coin have worth to God. They're, they're valuable to him, and he grieves the loss of his lost children. Oh, that is good news for everyone who says, you know, if God looks at my heart, he's not going to like what he sees. You're saying that God values us beyond even what's in our hearts and what our actions are. Well, see, now you just threw out an idea that people can get confused on. God looking into our hearts very well may not like what he sees, and we should thank God for it. Yes. As a physician, we look into somebody's blood, and we and we un- examine it under a microscope, and we see pathogens in it, or we look into somebody's MRI scan of their chest and we look into their chest and we see cancerous lesions in their lungs, Mm -hmm. hopefully the doctor won't be pleased by that. He'll be displeased to see that. And the doctor will want to take aggressive actions to eradicate the cancer or the pathogens. So when God looks into our heart, if he sees villainy, if he sees sin, if he sees rebelliousness and selfishness and hate and, and so forth, we don't want him to be happy with what he sees there. We want him to dislike anything that's contrary to his perfection that he intends for us. And then we want him in the most loving and gentle way possible to begin eradicating those deviations from his design for our life. But he only does that in those who consent, those who trust him and open the heart to him. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I come in and sup with him. So only those who trust him does he actually heal. Yes, he may look in and see things that that he doesn't like, and we should be thankful for that. But the problem is many people have been conditioned by this world to base their sense of worth on how well they perform at tasks, not in who they are in heart. Mm. And who we are in heart, we're children of God, and we've either identified to be renewed or we've rejected and solidified in worldliness. 
Okay, we're talking about rebuilding self-worth here, and Dr. Jennings, in your book, Could It Be This Simple, in the chapter on rebuilding self-worth, you say that everything depends on the right action of the will. How does that work? Give us a picture of that. Well, the will is the, is the power of choice. I choose to do this. I choose to do that. You're exercising your will. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is people will be tempted by powerful feelings. I feel worthless. And then they will evaluate the evidence of Jesus Christ's life, his self-sacrifice, what the scriptures teaches, the evidence of, of who they are as a child of God, and then they have to make a choice. What do I believe to be true? Do I believe the evidence that Christ has provided, or do I believe my own feelings? If I choose to believe the feelings of worthlessness, then the truth has no power, and I will remain wallowing in misery. If, on the other hand, I choose to believe that I have worth, mm -hmm. then a new door opens. That doesn't instantly mean the feeling of worthlessness goes away, but it in informs us that the feeling of worthlessness is a lie, but I still have this feeling. And many will say, okay, I believe I have worth, but I still feel worthless. Ah, now that opens a new door of possibility to us. We know that that feeling is lying to us. And therefore, what do we know? Uh, many people don't know this, but I will teach you right now. Sometimes, not always, sometimes one feeling can masquerade as another feeling. Huh. And so if you're feeling worthless and you looked at the evidence and you know, in fact, you are not worth zero, because of what Jesus has done and otherwise, then you know that that feeling is a lie, but you still have this feeling. So you pull back the mask and you say, okay, what's it feel like to feel worthless? And people will say, well, I feel stupid. Oh, okay. So are you feeling stupid? And then you look at that question, or I feel ugly, or I feel rejected. Maybe a boyfriend or girlfriend just broke up and they're feeling worthless after a rejection. Mm -hmm. And so it's possible you have been rejected by somebody. We've all, I've been rejected. Yes. Have you ever been rejected, oh, absolutely, Charles? Absolutely, absolutely. And Jesus was rejected and spurned of men and crucified, but that didn't make Jesus worthless because he was rejected. And so being rejected is an unpleasant feeling, but it has no bearing on the actual worth of the person being rejected. We have uh, about four minutes left here in the program, and I want to just touch on this. You make a good case in here about legitimate and illegitimate guilt. Sometimes our feelings of worth are wrapped up in our feelings of guilt. How do we separate that, and how do we know whether we have that legitimate or illegitimate guilt? We will speak about it related to the feelings of worthlessness. Yes. Both the feelings of worthlessness and the illegitimate guilt are often tied up in people basing their sense of well-being, their sense of, of worth or value on what other people think of them. And thus, if other people are happy with them, good job, well done, attaboy, they feel like they have worth. If other people are mad at them or angry at them, they will feel guilty. Well, it's my fault. They're unhappy. I shouldn't have said that because they're mad at me now. And so they will feel guilt for the other person's response because they have a, a lie operating in their head that somehow they're responsible for what other people think of them or how other people feel toward them. This is a huge lie. We are not responsible for other people's attitudes toward towards us any more than Jesus was responsible for the attitudes of those people who rejected him, betrayed him, and killed him. He wasn't responsible for their attitudes. He was sinless and perfect in all his ways. There was nothing he did that contributed to any of that. They were responsible for that. Now, while we are not Jesus, the principle still holds true. We are responsible for governance of ourselves, for making decisions that are the most reasonable and healthy and mature decisions we can make, and then we leave other people free to love us or not love us. 
to like us or not like us, to accept us or reject us. We don't base our sense of well-being on the responses of others or the opinions of others. Mm. Let me give you a simple analogy. Yes. And a lot of people have this when they have parents who were, were very critical and negative towards them. They will internalize a inadequacy and feel chronic guilt and feelings of worthlessness. And I say, imagine I had a palm full of diamonds that were worth $10 million and I handed them to your parents. And I said, they're yours. You can have them. And they look, $10 million. Nobody gives $10 million of diamonds. These are fake. You're trying to make me look stupid. They're nothing but glass. And they throw them in the trash and walk away. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say they're really diamonds. Just because your parents say they're glass and throw them in the trash, does that actually make them glass? Mm -hmm. They are what they are. Mm -hmm. yes. So their opinion of the diamonds doesn't change the reality of what the diamonds are. And I look at my patient and say, you're the diamond. Just because a parent doesn't value you for a child of God and, and the beauty and the gifts that God has blessed you with doesn't diminish your value as a child of God at all. You're still the diamond. Oh, that is beautiful. Rebuilding self-worth is a chapter in Dr. Jennings' book, Could It Be This Simple? And Dr. Jennings, you mentioned a couple of shows ago that there is a website that has this book in it. Tell us about that. If somebody wants to become a member of our ministry, and membership is free, all they have to do is sign up. Uh -huh. But once they become a member to the ministry, they can have free access to the member section, and there they can download the audio version of Could It Be This Simple onto their device and listen. And it's you talking? You're the, you're the narrator? I am the narrator. All right, yes. very good. Well, listener, here is the website. I know you want to know this. Here is the website, comeandreason.com. There are a lot of resources there, including this audiobook. And just go there, become a member, and look for Could It Be This Simple, the audiobook. And you can download it and you can enjoy Dr. Jennings next time you go for a walk or for driving the car or just sitting in your chair by the fireplace. You can learn these beautiful truths that Dr. Jennings has made clear on this show and in his books, all of them. That's at comeandreason.com. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. This program was sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. And until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Music